Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another Spotify Green Room session here on the Spotify Green Room app where we do live Q&As to talk about our Detroit Lions. We got a very special episode this week because guess what? We have football to talk about. Before we get into any of that, my name is Jeremy Rice. I'm the editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. I got two co-hosts with me as well. Let's start with our senior editor, Ryan Matthews, at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, football! Football and birds. I don't know if you can hear them, but they're here. Oh, as I'm yeah. watching, as I'm watching my dog graze in the grass. But uh, man, football's back, baby. Kinda, sorta, sorta. And that's some beautiful imagery. Appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, our other co-host, of course, the managing editor of Pride of Detroit at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. It's Eric Schlitt. Football. <laughs> Football. Football. <laughs> nice, nice Taylor Decker impression. Yep. Appreciate yep. that. You're welcome. Uh, so we, we take calls on this whole thing. If you haven't joined us before, uh, Saturday mornings when we like to do this, um, we might change it up a little bit depending on the schedule and, and all that sort of stuff. But make sure you download the Spotify Greener map. Follow us at Pride of Detroit on the app, and you'll get notified every time we go live. Um, before we get into some of our callers, um, we got to talk about it. Lions, Bills, Lions dropped the game 16 to 15 in a, in a closely fought game that had a lot of positives, a little bit of negatives, um, a little bit of everything, I would say. Um, so let me throw it to you first, Ryan. Do you have like a main takeaway from this game? Um, yeah, I, I would say that my main takeaway is probably rooted in watching the ones. And I think that it's going to be a preseason, like, like three games. Like one, one of the interesting things they mentioned at the top of the broadcast, which obviously kind of goes without saying, cause we've been talking about it all se- all off season long, but like of this 90 man roster, 51 faces are new to Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, goodness gracious. I, you, you come to expect that with like a, with a regime, with a regime change and a, and a retool like Brad Holmes is, is undertaking here. But, um, a lot of those faces are like on the first team. Um, there's, there's new players and in, in new, in new, you know, places all over the place. And, um, it, it's gonna, it's gonna take some time. It's gonna take some time. It is. Uh, no question about that. Um, Eric, how about your first thoughts? I mean, the Lions can't run the ball. They can't stop the run. Jared Goff almost threw an interception. We're, we're panic level nine out of 10, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, uh you know, everything is vanilla, right? And, yeah. and so it, it's tough to be too critical. But at the same time, uh, you know, the way that the offense was set up is kind of what we were expecting and also kind of fearing is that they were going to use the run about half the time and then dink and dunk, take a couple of shots downfield and um, everything goes well and you get points, hopefully seven instead of three. But if you make one mistake or a bad penalty, well, then the drive's going to basically be over because they're not 
executing beyond the sticks right now. And and again, a lot of that is vanilla, you know, play calling. A lot of that is, hey, you didn't have your best two offensive weapons and Hawkinson or Swift. And so, you know, you got to take a you know this with a grain of salt, of course. But um, you know, I, I I will be concerned if we start seeing this same approach. Like you can't you can't win games with three drives that each last 10 minutes, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. Anthony Lynn said to, uh, um, to one of the, uh, um, you know, pe- the broadcasters, uh, last night that, um, he thinks the offense is capable of putting up 28 points. And if they put up 20 points a game, then they'll be able to, uh, hang with anybody, right? That's their goal. Uh, <laughs> You can't do that if you only get three tries, right? You know what I mean? Like just so uh, it was. You you saw that on that that eighteen play drive was very, I guess, promising, but also worrisome. And and so that's what I guess I kind of left with mixed emotions. I every every mistake was kind of justified, or every you know negative thought I had was there was I guess a reason for it. Like people are really harping on the run defense. but they were missing their top four defensive tackles. Like, <laughs> I'm okay. I expected them to be. And most of those gaps, most of those runs were right at the A, a or B gap, right? So, like, sure. that's right where those guys live. So, I wasn't overly concerned. Again, let's get some of the players in the right spots before we get start getting too concerned about, um, you know, some of the, the negatives from last night. It's, it's interesting you mentioned that 18-play drive because – that was the point in uh, Dan Campbell's presser where he actually impressed me the most because he, I think he expressed a lot of the concerns that you did right there and, and that I shared as well because he says, I think there's something to possessing the ball, but I think that as good as that is, if you're going to possess it for that long, you need to come away with a touchdown. Yeah. And then, and then he also says, you'd like to be able to hit on some shot plays and do some things down the field as well. So, I mean, you're, you're right. Like this whole dink and duck, dunk thing, it might be kind of their primary identity, but I think that was it to an extreme. I don't think they want those 18-play drives very often because, you're, as, as you said in, in one of your write-ups, like when you do that, one mistake, one holding penalty, one you know loss of down, one, one sack – ends that drive like you can't you can't win on third and 10 third and 12 and with the running game as it was golf had to dig himself out of a couple of those situations a third and eight a third and 10 things like that and and it's also important to remember that drive was also um almost a a three and out or you know very close to a three and out because there was a an illegal contact that extended it on on third down really early in that drive yeah and and to their credit though even though that was kind of a give me they did overcome a unicorn of a frank ragnall penalty as well (laughs) that's Um, right and so and that took away a saint brown what 13 yard catch or something like that that was like super nice so they they did you know they did some good things. They they hit that twenty yarder to uh, Tyrell Williams, which yep. was you know keeping good the pass. defense honest, right? Yeah, it was a good pass. And um, you know you recognize zone coverage. You hit the turkey hole, and then all of a sudden you know you, you get a nice you get a nice play out of it. Now he's still building that chemistry with him, right? And that's why on the touchdown pass he was six inches you know, too close to the defender. If, if, if he's got better, you know, and the defender can get the pass breakup. If he gets that ball six inches to the left, then, you know, Williams is right there to make that, that catch. So I think chemistry is going to help a lot, you know, with uh, uh, some of these more downfield shots that they want to take. All right, let's jump into the questions here. We got a ton of people We're setting records here on the Spotify green room app. Uh, so let's get into some, uh, some of these callers, Dan, I know you've been waiting patiently. 
How you doing? Hi there. I'm, I'm doing well. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Okay, well, I, I had quite a bunch of questions. I, I figured I wasn't sure when I was going to be there, but then you said that. But anyway, I saw the first half. I took my son to the pub. I couldn't quite figure out the uh, this whatever, season pass and stuff. And, and I just wanted to ask, the second half, it might be a bit spotty, but I was really quite, uh, interested in Bobby Price mm-hmm. and how he went from a, a safety to a corner. And I've been thinking about the back players a ton, and I haven't really figured out with the whole split safety system, because it kind of blew my mind with the idea of, like, you, you share the halves, and do you have a difference between free and strong safety anymore? But with him going over to cornerback and actually sort of doing really well, and it might be a path onto the team, I was just I was just really curious. Like, when it gets, gets down to stats and everything, and in the second half, because you're not playing against the best players, you, you sort of weren't sure that that running back that got the touchdown, Reynolds, could make it because it sort of happened later in the game and right. I'm going off all crazy in this question so just answer whatever you want to do and I'll, just, I'll be quiet sorry it was great to see them yeah um yeah and and Eric and I have already talked a little bit about Bobby Price this morning because yeah I think that was one of the more kind of interesting storylines amongst the depth players a guy who's basically played safety all all training camp suddenly moves to outside corner maybe this is triggered a little bit by the fact that Quentin Dunbar was released earlier in the week and they're just looking for depth there but uh Eric I'll let you have the floor and turn because because you know you've been ta- you've been talking about Bobby Price all camp <laughs> yeah you know look Bobby Price is going to make this team on his special teams right that's yeah. I think that's pretty I mean I don't want to call it a lock but we're getting close to that territory where he's just he's your starting gunner and and, and uh, both kickoffs and punt returns he can uh, block which he's doing really well and and he's gonna hang around as like kind of safety five or maybe cornerback six or seven depending on their they how their approach is so um he's got you know there, there's he's such an athletic uh, specimen and he's so raw that um, you can really do a lot of different things with him like he's 63216 so that screams safety but he's almost exactly the same size as Tracy Walker and we and we've heard rumors in the past like when he was a rookie or in his second year they were talking about moving him to corner potentially as well because when you have that kind of like length speed speed and like both of their arms are ridiculous they're over 33 inches for both of them right which is stupid and so when you get that <laughs> kind of uh, but i mean look seriously yeah. like that was one of the benefits that they talked about with melifonwu was that he has he has great arm length and that's rare that you can find a corner that has athletic agility and length and so price has that same thing so you know, is he going to stick at corner? i don't know is he going to stick at safety i don't think it matters um aaron glenn has a past a history of turning guys into hybrid players, right? He, he yeah. makes cornerback safety hybrid guys. And so maybe Bobby Price is just the next one. And when you're toying with, you know, your 11th defensive back or 12th defensive back on your roster, um, you know, mess around with them. See where you can get them. Get that, maybe get him so he can be crossbred and maybe be an outside guy uh, at, at corner, but then also has some range to, to flex into the slot or at the safety spot. So I'm all for it. Um, I, I'm excited. I, I still don't think he's going to be like an impact player on defense necessarily, but I, I, a special teams, he's just going to be, uh, he seems like he's just got a very dynamic ceiling. Yeah, I mean, and you just listen to Dan Campbell talk about this guy yesterday after the game, and, you know, he's raving about his special teams. He's talking about all those things you talked about. He's long, he's athletic, and he certainly sounds like this cornerback move is is going to be permanent for now, but, um, you know, you're right. Like, 
key member on special teams, guy who, who's got all the athletic traits that you would want in really anywhere in that secondary. I th- I'm with you. I think he's just about a lock for the roster, and, and the Lions are just trying to figure out what they can do with him. Um, Ryan, I want to I want to throw the Craig Reynolds storyline to you uh, because obviously I think maybe maybe the the, the best storyline from this preseason game, a guy who was signed on Thursday, explodes on Friday, just 24 hours. He said he was he was introducing himself to some of his teammates while in the huddle of the first preseason game. Um, I, I guess my question to you is. Does it matter? Is Craig Reynolds has Craig Reynolds entered the conversation for RB three, or maybe if the Lions decide to keep an RB four? Well, yeah, that, that was something that we talked about in our first bite preview, right, Jeremy? Is that running back seemed like the position group where everything was set, like running back one, two, and three, all set. Jason Kambina is going to be the fullback, and we're going to move on with our lives because you know Dedrick Mills didn't do anything to impress. Michael Warren didn't do anything to impress in his time here. Like it, it seemed like we were. This was one position we didn't really have to pay too much attention to, and now you know with with the play of Reynolds last night, do we have to do we have to watch it? Like Jamal Williams, you know. 19 yards on five carries like not or uh, not nine nine carries 15 yards um and you know jamar jefferson being being pretty limited too um in his production i i mean this is something that maybe we have to at least take a look at maybe we were a little bit too quick to say hey you know jamar jefferson was the seventh round pick he's got rb3 locked up like i think that there's a discussion to be had moving forward in the rest of the preseason i mean i'm not i'm not going to overreact um i put out you know offensive grades this morning but i'm not overreacting to jamal williams limited production i I think the offensive line didn't do him uh, a ton of favors um especially like uh, tight ends and blocking and and we'll we'll get to some of that but um the the same things with with jamar jefferson I, i don't think that he got a ton of favors either um but i mean craig reynolds i mean he made he made the most of his opportunity, right? I mean, dude, dude came here on Thursday, balled on on a Friday. Like, I mean, just what, what, a, what an incredible story. Yeah. And I, I def, I'm definitely eager to see more. I, I think at this point, you yeah. can't, you can't move him too far up on the depth chart because he had what, six, seven touches. That's, I mean, that's not enough, but, but you're right. Like those, those runs he made the the 10 yarder and obviously the touchdown, those were all him. He made, yep. he made the plays and Diedrich Mills for that matter had a couple of big plays, including that fourth and one conversion. So it, it's nice to see some of that depth show, show, show us something because yeah, there were, there was nothing we saw in camp that suggested any of these guys. And obviously we haven't seen Craig Reynolds in camp yet, but, um, and just to, to back up to your point about um, Jamal Williams, according to PFF, he was hit at the line of scrimmage on seven of nine of his carries. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. What, what is he supposed to do there? <laughs> I know exactly. And uh, the, the, the one, the one thing I just want to reiterate is I, 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 I think that because Jamar Jefferson had that seventh round pick and he looked the way he looked in camp, we all kind of said, all right, this is it. But now, you know, the pads come on, there's actual competition, I think that there's at least a discussion to be had. I'm not going to overreact, but I, I'm with you, Jeremy. Like, I think I, I want to see more of what, what Reynolds and, and Mills can bring to the table. Eric, Eric you buying any of this uh, back competition? What I, what, what I find interesting is that there's a direct correlation to, um, as you go down the depth chart, the uh, average yards per rush go up. Right. And that's a direct correlation to who you're, who they're running against as well. Jamal Williams, who is RB2, had 1.7 yards for rush. 
Jefferson RB3, 1.8. Mills, 6.4. Reynolds, 8.2, right? So, like, and I think a lot of that is the competition, but it also speaks to the fact that Reynolds and Mills were doing it against uh, lower – they were actually, like, you know, making hay against those those lower-level competitions. So there's some, that means maybe the gap between three and four and five or whatever, right, isn't sure. as wide. But I bet if Reynolds was, you know – uh, third or second through in the rotation and then Jefferson was last. I think we'd be seeing the same thing about Jefferson because, you know, I he's just that he's he would have done that same type of damage. But not take anything away from Craig Reynolds. I've uh I've bumped him up my depth chart. Uh he's ahead of uh Javon Leak now. But um that's about as far as I'm willing to go until I see a little bit more. Easy Pro- there, Eric. Take it slow. Take it slow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's even probably worth mentioning. Javon Leak looked pretty good as a as a punt or kick returner, right? Like he he didn't have a bad day. I, I don't, you know, he still seems like an extreme long shot to make the roster, but I think it's just nice to see some of these young guys come in literally this week and and give that running back depth a, a little bit of boost, just because it looks so lifeless in camp. All right, let totally. me go ahead, Dan. No, no, you go. I was going to say, if you give me a second on special teams, the kick re- the kick returners, uh, Leak averaged twenty four point three, uh, Igwebuke had twenty six. Right, so I think that speaks to the fact that they're doing good blocking uh, beyond um, just like having a good return. I think they're they're that's a good blocking scheme going on there. Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I, I feel a bit of a hog. I, I just, I just want to say, just thanks, and it's so great to hear you guys again. And uh, I, I just wanted to ask you, and I'll, I'll, I'll take off. I'm totally snagging someone's question, and they're going to call me <laughs> rude words. But it, you look at Julian Aquara. Do you know what I mean? It sort of he, he played the whole game, and and his play got better as the game went down. You know that last sack, he basically split with. I think it was McRae. Uh, but mm-hmm. he, he hit him first. But I don't know. Do you know what I mean? But he needs the practice, doesn't he? So it's it's sort of, it's interesting. I'm glad we I'm glad we got sort of beat up on that first round. It's almost like you walk into a room and you got pantsed, and now it's like <laughs> I don't care anymore. And, and then we're in the second round, we did better. But thanks so much, guys. Great to hear from you. No problem, Dan. And, and yeah, I think Julian Aquar is kind of a fascinating discussion from that game because you, you look online and you, you have all sorts of reactions about that game. You know, PFF credits him with eight pressures, but you're right, Dan. Like, he certainly showed up more in the second half than he did in the first half. And so is that just him beating up on players that he should? And, you know, he wasn't particularly good against the run or in the couple times he had to drop in coverage. Um I don't know. What do you guys make of, of Julian O'Quara's game? Is, is that just another kind of example of, you know, a, a, a starter type of player beaten up on, on lower end players that, that we probably shouldn't overreact to? I'll take it. Um, I, I think it's a combination. Yeah, yeah. I think um, he should be doing that. But at the same time, we give we're giving passes to a lot of guys who haven't played for a couple of years. Uh but Aquara hasn't really played that much over the last two years. You know, he breaks his leg at Notre Dame as a, as in his final year there. Then he's injured most of last year. Like in the last two years, he's probably played like six games or something like that, or eight. I'm just, I'm off the top of my head. So he's going to be raw. He's going to make mistakes. And yes, setting the edge was a problem for him last night, and 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 that correlates in with you know his poor run defense. But um, you know how. He's not going to be a guy who's going to be a 
early down player right now. He's yep. going to be a situational guy where they're not yep. going to ask him to set the edge. And so, really good point. yeah, just let him let him tear off the edge on um, on third downs right now. Let him be a situational pass rusher. And that's you know we saw that that's where he's thriving. Yeah, there's still stuff he's got to clean up in his game for sure. But he's showing me that he can be that situational pass rusher, and that could be a big factor for the line. And, and there's no harm in, you know, him working on all that other stuff in the preseason, right? No, not whatsoever. And uh, to, to Eric's point, like this is something that, uh, you know, Benjamin Raven from MLive tweeted out. But, you know, Julian Aquara played 49 snaps last night. That's only 20 less than he did all last season. <laughs> so, I mean, five pressures on 18 pass rushing attempts. I, you know, I, I think when I when I look at that stat, I say, Yes, I mean we'll we'll take it with a, with a grain of salt because the majority of the production did come against um, you know lesser competition. But I, I mean that that game is still going on. The guy played forty nine snaps in a game. That's by far more than any snaps he's he's played in any NFL game, and his play continued to get better. Now, what you want to see from Oquara is obviously maybe him to kind of front load some of that production in, in games two and three, but the guy is clearly carving out a role for himself. I think as you know, a pass rushing pass rushing specialist, no question. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're answering more of your questions as we react to the lions preseason opener, a 16, 15 loss to the Buffalo bills. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back here on the Spotify Green Room app, talking about the Lions preseason opener, a 16-15 loss to the Buffalo Bills. We're going to get right back to the Lions here. Um, we've got two Nathans in a row here. Let's start with Nathan S. Nathan, are you there? Nathan S. There you are. Hey, oh. hey guys. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I was uh, at the game yesterday because my buddy got free tickets, and it was weird actually being in a stadium but it was it was super fun to watch them uh my question is how creative do you think this offense is going to be because i noticed that they threw amon ra in the backfield and i thought that that was a very interesting look yes um that's a good point they didn't they didn't show a ton yesterday at least compared to what um we saw in training camp but i would say things like that are going to be a lot more normal. Uh, we saw a lot of motion in the backfield with wide receivers, with running backs, with, with split back looks. Um, I'm sure, I mean, we, we can't get into too much details probably, but uh, we saw a lot more motion and, and, and things like that. Misdirection plays. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of that sort of stuff because they have so much speed really everywhere in terms of their, their 
um, you know, their weapons, I would say speed is, is probably their, their primary um, skill set. And so, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of those sort of kind of motions, pre-snap and, and, and misdirection is, is just going to be a, a big part of this team. Yeah, look, we we saw in camp, and we've seen it against us for years, um, how valuable pre-snap motion can be because you you force the defense to not be able to just settle, right? And last night, with not with that not being really something that they incorporated, the defense just stood there, and then you have to then work within the zones instead of getting those zones moving, and so. That goes back to yeah the the kind of vanilla aspect of the approach. Like pre snap motion can be a real key, especially when your approach is to take a lot of shorter shots and then uh, the occasional sh- deep shot downfield. Like you got to come up with creative ways. You know, we didn't see any screens, we didn't see any pre snap motion, we didn't see bunch sets. Like all of those things are ways to create space uh, when you're taking an approach. Can, can we talk real quick about how awesome it was to see Amon Ross St. Brown, as, as Nathan mentions, lined up split backfield with Goff under a shotgun? I mean, that that's the play that ends up getting called back because of the Frank Rag now holding penalty. But, like, Amon Ra runs this, like, rounded route, catches the ball, like, three yards past the line of scrimmage, and then just yaks his way to a first down. Like, that's the kind of that's a kind of interesting little wrinkles that, yeah, I mean, like things are super vanilla right now, but I mean, how how many of us, like, I mean, obviously Eric and and Jeremy being at camp, they can't say too much, but like not being at camp, like how many of us, you know, can say that we were looking forward to Amon Ra St. Brown taking snaps out of the backfield. Like, come on, that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, just think about how different it would look when they get some of their speedier guys in there. Like, uh, don't be surprised to see Khalif Raymond doing stuff like that. DeAndre Swift is obviously going to be a big weapon in in situations like that. So uh, I I think we're just scratching the surface here. And uh, I think people are going to be pleased once they see the regular season product. Can we talk about the fact that he has like no fear? Right. It's 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 really kind of like I mean, like at first when you first run into him and you're paying attention, it it almost comes off as like almost arrogant. Right. Right. Yeah. But 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 you can see that it's not like he's he's not just a guy who thinks that he's got all the talent and he's willing to use it like uh, he puts the work in and he's confident in what he can do. And so he's not scared. He's not scared of the moment. He's not uh, intimidated by the person across from him. And I think he's uh, he's going to be a bigger factor. I mean, I knew he was going to start and and, and be a be an important piece. I think he's going to be even bigger than what I had uh, originally projected. I'm, so I'm excited for him for that. It's it's funny because you see a lot of rookies filter in, and and their reaction to the media is always a little telling because a lot of them are intimidated, right? Like they're in they're in the NFL, um, they, they don't want to say something wrong, and and they'll they'll kind of look fearful at the media, whereas like. Amonra is a guy who almost strikes fear in the media with how confident he is. And I, I, man, like between him and Aleem McNeil, I think, I think the Lions got two extremely good, valuable picks in there. And, and, you know, I I know the, the stat sheet only says two catches for 12 yards for Amonra last, last night, but man, you, you could see it. You could really see the, the technician he is as a route runner. And, and I think that confidence is going to do a lot too. Look, I'll, I mean, we if we touch real fast 
on all the rookies. I thought all the rookies had nice showings last night. You know what I mean? Like we we'll get into Sewell a little bit more, I'm sure, but like he had a good he had a good showing. Derek Barnes had eight snaps and made two impact plays. You know <laughs> yep. what I mean? Like yep. And he's coming off a hammy injury. We haven't even seen Levi yet because he's been dealing with that back. So like this draft class is starting to look very nice and you're starting to see production uh, already out of a third and a fourth round pick. Uh, and I mean like really good production of a third and a fourth round pick. So uh, I'm excited to see where this draft class goes because there's, there's a potential for a lot of them to be really key contributors. Uh, r- real quick before we get to somebody else's question, because this is, you know, totally uh, piggybacking off of Eric's point right here about this draft class showing a lot of promise early on. Like, what was your guys' favorite play that a rookie made last night? Because mine was Derek Barnes finally not being not being fooled by misdirection to the strong side <laughs> of the formation and picking up the leaking, you know, the leaking receiver uh, on the backside and making an incredible play. Like, finally, someone was like, hey. We got this has to stop happening. And Barnes sniffed it out. Like, awesome. kudos to him to make a play like that. And like Eric said, he only played eight snaps. Like, dude, dude had a great showing it in limited in limited time. Yeah, and I, I mean, you compare that to the touchdown that Buffalo scored, where whoever the linebacker was, and I think we're all probably pointing the finger at Jelani Tavai rightfully. Guy slips out, and there's just nobody within 10 yards of him. Um, yeah, I, I think that may have been the most impressive. I mean, he made it look super simple, and so maybe it doesn't jump out as, as a fantastic play, but that was just a completely solid play from Derek Barnes and, and one that's certainly welcome given the linebacker play here in the past few years. So, so when I – Oh, go ahead, Nathan. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, isn't that a play that we kind of wanted Jared Davis to make for like the last what, four years? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that that goes to Jeremy's point, though, of like it's a it's a it's a simple play, but we just haven't seen it in four years. So, I mean, we're we're starving for any kind of cracker at this point. <laughs> so so there's a couple of interesting things like that got my wheels turning about that play was. Uh, one, it sure looked like Tavai was the guy that was supposed to be in coverage there. Yeah. But Dean, Dean Marlowe was also um, – he didn't have an assignment. Now, I think he had the motion guy. So he might have – I'm not sure if he was supposed to stay home or if he was supposed to follow the motion across. Like, So it's, it's not – I'm not totally pinning it on Tavai. But the fact that Derek Barnes made the exact same play and it was a linebacker, not a safety, makes me think that, yeah, it was probably Tavai's uh, fault. So that gets me thinking, is it just that Derek Barnes – recognized the play and made it better or is it that the Lions coaching staff recognized that play talked to the linebackers sure. and then Derek Barnes was able to process that and then make the play like either way that those are both positive outcomes either Barnes is making the play on his own or the coaching staff is recognizing it and relaying the feed but the fa- this is uh, there were situations last night where they were getting burned by the same play that over and over that was not one of them so yeah. that was an encouraging sign because not uh, how often have we seen this team just just lose on the same play over and over and over and over again. That wasn't a nice adjustment or maybe just a nice play. All right, Nathan, appreciate the question there. Uh, Good discussion there. I think we went all over the place there, but Hey, there's a lot to talk about when there's 90 guys on the roster. Uh, Let's bring in our our good old, we haven't heard from him in a while. Nathan C is here. Nathan, are you there? Nathan. Are you there? Check it. Check one. Check two. Can you, can you all hear me? There we go. Yeah. 
Hey, how y'all doing, man? I know it's been a minute. How y'all, how y'all been? Uh, good, man. Good, man. Football's back. We're, we're great. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We're glad to hear you're okay. Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, sorry. It's been kind of crazy. I'm starting a new job, and so I've been sleeping a little bit more. So, yeah. Good wow. for you. Sick brag. Uh, definitely, def- <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely going get, to get, get to y'all in the mornings for sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, y'all stole my thunder, man. But I guess this happens when you talk Lions because I was exactly going to talk about Derek Barnes. So I had two observations that I wanted just to kind of discuss with y'all. Uh, first one with Derek Barnes. Listen, this guy needs to start over to Vi. He needs more. He needs more reps. I think that they maybe went slow with him because he just came back from a hammy. But I expect this guy, if he's full to go, this guy's going to jump up the death charts very quickly. You can see why the size, the speed, the awareness. Like this guy's got it. Like I, I was every time I quarterback the speed the size the awareness again you know i think this guy's going to be a steal for us and i can see why brad holmes was very excited about getting this guy i mean hell we traded up for him so they really like this guy yeah i mean i'm no question i mean they're they're we, we're working on eight snaps here so it's still very much a uh you know Let's see what we have completely but here. And snaps, he made more impact than I saw most players that didn't that played a lot more. Let's just no put question. It that way. Oh, no question at all. Um, we we just have to see like consistency is key, right? Though you can you can make splash plays here and there. You got to sure. show consistency, and so we don't know. I mean, Derek Barnes has basically played nothing in training camp too. So uh, I think you're right in that they they certainly ease him in just due to injury. There's no reason to force it because right. the Lions have their starting linebackers like Alex Anzalone and and um, Jamie Collins are going to be these two the, the primary off ball linebackers for this team to start and probably to finish unless there's an injury, if I'm being completely honest. What do you think of those two linebackers? Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, that's fine. Um, I Listen, we, we talked a little bit at the top about the run <laughs> defense, and I hate to say it, I, I think the linebackers played a big part in why the Lions were yeah. struggling to stop the run early in that game. Um, Anzalone, I, I think we were all like kind of hyped over Anzalone because he has some coverage skills, um, but I, I think he's got some work to do in the run defense. And then Jamie Collins just – I don't know. He was a non-factor. He, he you know, it, it's one game. It's not a huge deal, but um, I guess he, I, I think maybe the doubts are starting to creep in a little bit. It's like, this is a guy who's not really done much outside of the Patriot system. Is this a case where that can happen again? And I, I, I don't want to jump to that conclusion yet. I think it's too early for that, but um, wasn't a particularly good game for him. I'm not sure if the, the other guys feel differently. I'm nope. right there real quick, Eric. I'm just going to say that I'm right there with you, like watching that first half as, you know, Buffalo was, was gashing running plays left and right. I, I was more so concerned with the, the play of the linebackers than I was with the defensive line. I, I think, I think a lot of the depth on the defensive line did a commendable job. Like, I mean, Bruce Hector made some plays, Kevin strong, a guy, a guy firmly on the roster bubble, um, had had a huge showing, but I, I think the linebackers really kind of kind of validated a lot of our thoughts during the off season of like <laughs> where where is the where's the We're starting screwed. yeah where where's <laughs> maybe, all right maybe maybe didn't put it in a crude way yes but like in, in the in, in the sense that like who who can the lions count on right. who can the lions count count on in the, in the second level of their defense. 
So I'm going to take an optimistic spin um, on <laughs> no. this a little bit. Yeah, I don't Go know. It's a little out of character. We need, we need a pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, again, with no, when you're missing the, the, the defensive tackles that you are, that's going to make your linebackers' jobs a lot harder. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. And so, and Jamie Collins has also been getting some rest. So he's. He looked very rusty to me. Uh, I agree with the assertion that he struggled yesterday. Um, I thought Anzalone, though, did a little bit better um, than what I was expecting um, in, in a couple of areas. Yes, the, he was leaky against the, the run at, at some points, but he was a big part of that Kevin Strong uh, second stop on the third down where yep. Kevin beat the double team. Like he crashed, like he came down and crashed and he was uh, a not, he was, he's not going to show up in the statistical uh, in the stat sheet right there, but he's part of coming in and crashing down and, and helping like disrupt what's going on. And so he was, a, he was a part of that. So I, I wasn't as discouraged, I guess, with Anzalone as I was with um, Collins, but I tell you, if we, when we go beyond that, it it does get a little bit tricky, right? Like, we know Derek Barnes is going to make the team. Um, it sure looks like Reeves Maven's going to make the team based on, you know, his special teams and his ability to play a couple spots. Um, Hamilton has looked great in, in camp. And, and Tavai has, we've wondered, where does Tavai fit? Right? How does he fit? And then he did nothing in that game to tell me that he fits in the scheme. Yeah. So they like Tavai. Uh, quite a bit and they like his size and they're like, he's can do so many things at his size. It's are so impressive. But if you go out Whoa. on the field, you can, and you, and you don't produce, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how cool you look at, at your size. Right. You have to produce. Yeah. And right now he's not. And if you're looking at now it, it, to me, I was thinking he was LB three and he was probably safe. But I wonder if Hamilton is going to sneak up and maybe take a job from him. Like, you know, because, we're, they're going to need. Uh, can you trust him? Can yeah. you trust Tavai right now? I don't know if you can because I'm struggling to think of a positive play that he made. Right now, you could probably say the same thing about Jamie Collins, but Tavai had twice as many snaps. So yeah. that's where, really where I'm like concerned right well, now. Uh, well, boy, that, that, that started out as something optimistic no. and turned into something <laughs> well, very me, that, That's what the linebacker group will do to you. <laughs> right, but, <laughs> so, but well, let me put a bow on it. I, I'm, I'm optimistic that, um, that uh, Anzalone is going to be okay. I yeah. do believe yeah. Jamie Collins can turn it around. And so that's going to improve. Sure. And then you have a, a up-and-comer in, in Derek Burns. You have some stuff in Jalen Reeves-Maven. But yeah, the Tavai thing has me really worried. Like, uh, it, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, and let's be real, this is a two different regimes because Brad Holmes would have never drafted Tavai, and yeah. I don't think Patricia would have ever drafted Barnes. You know, <laughs> Absolutely so, true. You know, so Tavai is just in a situation where he's in the wrong scheme, and even if he has slimmed down, he's still slow and, and slow-footed. And you, you see that that's going to be the weakness if you put him out there to where Barnes, Barnes has the end to end speed and the size and has the awareness and he's going to, and he was able to smoke out that play. So I, I just think that right there, that just, that's a telling sign in my opinion. Fair enough. Appreciate the questions, Nathan. Uh, we're going to get yeah. to our next caller, uh, but good to hear from you again. Yeah, definitely guys. Look forward to more. Take care. You too. All right. All right let's bring in Austin. Austin, are you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's it going? Doing well, Austin. How are you? Doing good. Morning, guys. Um, 
as much as I was watching the players last night, I also was watching our new coaches. And mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to get your take on the very end of the game. I know you don't want to beat anybody up trying to drill the ball down the field, but they were, what, 60 yards out with two timeouts. And I just thought it was interesting that you could see Campbell took his headset off before that last play even started where they took the sack. And I just thought to myself, oh, I wonder what kind of message does that send if you've already decided the game is over before the game's really over. So I just wanted your take on that or if there was anything in the post game that was mentioned about it. I didn't see anything online, so I just uh, wanted your thoughts on it. Yeah, um, interesting question, Austin. Um, there, that was not addressed in, in the post game. Um, I, I was a little surprised by it too. Like I know there were some people that are upset with the way they ran the previous um, you know, game go-ahead drive. I didn't have an issue with that, but I was a little bit surprised that after Blau took that sack that they were just kind of, eh, we're done here. Um, you know, I, I, you obviously do want to get into the locker room as healthy as possible, and maybe if your quarterback keeps getting beat up like both um, Blau and uh, Tim Boyle seemed to in that game, maybe that was the concern there. But um, were you guys surprised that the Lions, you know, they, they got the benefit of a, of a really bad squib kick. They were at the 41-yard line. They lose a couple due to the sack, but they had, what, about – 15 seconds or so to, to, you know, a play or two to get in field goal range and give your, give your kicker battle a chance to, you know, kick another high pressure kick potentially. Um, I was a little surprised about it. What, what do you guys think? Lord knows Randy Bullock needed to kick a field goal beyond 28 yards. <laughs> right. I know. Right. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's the only argument I, I feel like you can make because I, I think the, of the utmost importance, you already, you already hit on it, Jeremy, like, coming out of the preseason healthy is the biggest win that any team can have. Like, I mean, you're, you're putting, you're putting game film out there. You're, you're going into different kinds of kind of, uh, you know, situations and things like that. I, I, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with how they, how they, you know, approach the end of the game. I don't know how Eric feels about it though. Yeah. I, I think it's a mixed bag. I think you could, you could, there's enough there that you could say, Hey, this is situational football, so there's a benefit to to try and go sure. for it. But then at the same time, health is a premium, uh, and you need to really focus on that. Um, I'm not overly worried because it it's it, it sounds like it, it appears that he had a game plan, right? And we don't know exactly what that is. But they he you know they go into that last series or they go into that last play, and there's something that they wanted to get out of those two series, and. You know, it's very likely that he just said, "Look, you got to make this. Uh, you know, you got to make a 15-yard pass, or you got to gain 20 yards, or we're just going to call it." And then he gets sacked, and he's like, "All right, all right we're done." So um, we don't exactly know what they were trying to ascertain on those last couple of drives, but yeah, from an outside perspective, not knowing that, it, it would have been interesting to see them take a different approach. Maybe they'll take a different approach you know next week and we'll see something else but uh one game in and it's a preseason and you're trying to stay healthy i'm not overly concerned but again i want to see what happens the the one thing i i just want to add to the conversation is that Lions sideline was extremely hyped up on that last defensive possession when that pass gets broken up by who was it was it a it was a safety convert right it was a why can't I think of his name? Bobby. Yeah, I think it was Bobby Price. He gets a yeah. pass breakup on either it was either second or third down, and that sideline was going nuts. They wanted to win that game for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I don't think I don't think there's any chance of you know Campbell lost the locker room by not going for it there. <laughs> but I bet I bet there was a guy or two disappointed that they they didn't call a timeout. I'm sure Blau was probably disappointed. 
he doesn't want that. He doesn't want his last play of that game to be a, a sack that he very much cannot take in that situation. Yeah, I, I look. I'm with you. I, 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 it's. I just. We don't know exactly. I, I, I want to see what happens next time. I guess is really what it is. It's just one of those things where you've you've flagged it in your memory bank, and you're like, okay, now let's see what happens. I I, I want to get to more callers, but anybody here thoughts on maybe QB2 becoming an open competition? A little bit more open competition, I should say? I mean, yeah. I mean, we can talk about the backup quarterbacks a little bit here. Uh, I don't mind that because I Jeremy's think... Jeremy's favorite topic. No, I mean, I, I think yesterday was interesting, honestly, because I, I think it's been an open competition all of camp. Like they've, they're basically rotating days of, of QB2 every day, and each quarterback kind of showed me something that I liked and something that I didn't like. I, I thought you know, Tim Boyle showed a heck of a, you know, some, you know, Dan Campbell's favorite word, grit. That dude got beat the hell oh, up yeah. by a crappy offensive line. He had a pretty significant tape job on his left leg, and he threw the best pass of the game. He threw a dart to uh, Tom Kennedy, who who should have caught it, you know, uh, 20, 25 yards downfield. I mean, that was a, I hate to say it, it was a Stafford-esque throw. Um, it, it was really, really impressive. And then, you know, Obviously, he, he throws an interception that gets called back. He, I think he almost threw another one when, when he was under pressure. So he, he's a bit erratic, but there are times when he flashes where you're just like, man, if he could just somehow rein that in, he, he could be a legit backup. And then Blau, I mean, I, I think Blau just didn't really do too much that offended me at all. Like, you know, he played it safe. I thought that, that deep ball he threw to Javon McKinley was, was very, very nice. But you take a sack at the end of the game like that, um, it, it's it's kind of unacceptable. So I don't know. I, I don't think either of them pulled ahead of the other uh, on Friday night. But I, I do think it's close. Yeah, I think they want it to be close. But I also think their actions are saying it's definitely Tim Boyle's job right now. Um, you think? Yeah, right now. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, maybe they'll – let Blau take the reins of uh, QB2 in the next game uh, and give him a more extended time, uh, you know, with the, with the higher level uh, skill players. But um, all, everything that they do subtly uh, tells me that they, they're favoring Boyle quite a bit more uh, than Blau, but they don't want it to, they don't want to just rest on their laurels with him. They want Blau to still be in the mix. Yeah, and two things real quick to that. I, I think maybe after Blau watched what Tim Boyle was subjected to in that backup offensive line, maybe he's not, maybe he's not too eager to take that on. Um, but I, the the thing that Jeremy has been talking about a lot on the podcast uh, this off season is like in training camp, what 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 really pops off about Tim Boyle is like, dude has like arm talent, like he he can zip the ball, but. I mean, his first pass was the perfect encapsulation of what Jeremy's been getting at of like, yeah, I mean, the ball can zip, but it can also be super erratic at times. Like, you're not entirely sure, like, where the ball's going to end up in terms of accuracy. But, I mean, 8 of 15, I, you hope to see some, some, you know, some more completions made, but he was victim of a, you know, a Victor Bolden drop that, you know, should have converted for a first down and kept a kept a drive alive. But I, I, I'm with you guys in the sense that I think that this is still very much an open competition. All right, uh, Austin, appreciate the question there. Again, I think we went off on a wide tangent there. All uh, good, guys. Thanks. 
No problem. Uh, we're going to take our second break here. When we come back, we're going to close up shop here. We haven't really talked much about the offensive line. There was also a firing that happened over uh, this week that we should probably get into a little bit. So we'll get into all that when we come back here on the Spotify Greener Map. Closing up shop here on our live Q&A on the Spotify Green Room app. Uh, let's jump back into the lines here. We, we got some guys we need to get through here. Uh, Michael is on the line. Michael, you there? I am. I am. Can you hear me? Yep. I really appreciate the great segue you threw to me because that was my question was the O-line. Yeah. Watching the starters play, you know, we've been hearing the hype about how great they were, what a good line we we're going to have this year. And... I didn't see any holes open up for the running game at all. Minimal push. You know, those those first, what, 22 plays, the, the line got stymied except for a couple of short yardage things. Is it time to, you know, put our hair on fire and scream the season's done? The line <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're right. I think if maybe one of the bigger takeaways I had, and I, we mentioned this, Ryan, on, on our preview podcast, I wanted to see the offensive line dominate. On Friday, and they absolutely did not. I mean, pass protection got better, I think, as as they settled in, but the run blocking never came. So, uh, let's start to you first, Ryan. What's your concern level right now for for the offensive line, the starting offensive line? Let's start. Uh, I think I'm most concerned with our expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think here, here are some things. Preseason game one, you have a right tackle who didn't play you know, an entire season in, in college in 2020. Um, so he's certainly knocking off some, um, some rust in the sense that getting back up to playing speed and also playing, uh, against one of Eric's highest rated edge defenders in Gregory Russo. Oh, um, but, uh, but in, in, in all earnest, like, I, I think that there were, there, there's some spots on that line that everybody was expecting, like, Oh, they're going to take a jump. Like, is going to take a jump because he's, you know, not injured. And Jonah Jackson's going to take another jump. And Frank Ragnow and Taylor Decker are both, like, solid solid pieces. Yeah, they're, they're both solid pieces. But I think part of some of what the offensive line wasn't able to accomplish last night, um, I, I'm right with you in the sense, Jeremy, that, like, that first drive, super shaky. But I think when they came back in, they settled things down. And, like, to their credit, I mean, an 18-play drive is a long – 18-play, almost 10-minute drive for an offensive line. It's a pretty long drive. That's that's a that's a you know that's quite a bit of time to be on the field for for some big men um, playing. Um, I I'm I'm not I'm not gonna as as Michael says I'm not gonna light my hair on fire. Um, but uh, I'm I, I think the tight ends are gonna be a really key role mm. in blocking in this scheme. And real quick, I just want to highlight like Elze Mack was completely lost last night. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it didn't happen once. It happened twice. Like, Jared Goff was trying to send him in motion, and he's, like, basically screaming at him to go in motion, and he finally does it. And then Jamal Williams has his best run of the night that probably could have popped off for even more if Mac would have put his hands on anybody. And then it happens right before the two-minute drill with Tim Boyle. Like, Tim Boyle, you could tell that he was, like, he was pissed. He was like, dude, like you like motion. (laughs) Um, But to to the larger point about the offensive line, I think, 
you know, let, 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 let's see game two before we jump to any sweeping conclusions. About the first team, at least. Yeah, I think the weakness on the on the line is what we thought. It's it's Vitae right now, and um, it's it's really hard to get a full um, evaluation of uh, of the line play while you're in the middle of um, like watching a live game. Right, you really have to go back and take a closer look, really focus on um, you know on what those guys are doing because outside of the outside of the uh, the penalty, I thought Frank. Look great. I thought Taylor Decker looked great. I thought uh, Jonah Jackson had some nice plays. Logan Stenberg even looked good on, on the second team. But um, you know, Sewell had a little bit of uh, you know getting his feet under him again after not playing for a while. And, and Vitai, I was a little bit concerned about. Now um, he's still he's still he's a really good run defender, right? A run blocker. And so that's really, I think, where they're going to try and, like, get him more involved. And if they can get him, like, hitting people, it might uh, give him the ability to, like, you know, be more confident or at least cause the defenders to slow down when he when he has to set up against the pass rush because that's that's where he's having problems is in the pass rush. And I don't know. I don't like like Ryan said, I want to see. Uh, you know what happens in another game, but if he struggles again, you know maybe we start talking about is there another guy that could challenge him for for a spot? Um, right now, I think it's still his, but let's see what happens as this preseason progresses. Yeah, I mean overall, I would say I, I'm, I'm certainly more concerned today than I was yesterday because. I'm of the belief that if if this team can't run the ball, everything's going to fall apart on offense. I think I feel like they're really relying. I mean, we saw like you mentioned at the top, Eric. Like half of the plays for the first team offense was running plays. Like they were clearly trying to establish uh, some sort of rhythm on the ground and, and couldn't, and that got them into a whole bunch of third and longs. And, and Jared Goff just isn't the kind of quarterback that, that's going to be able to dig out of those very often. So. You know, there, there's certainly a concern there, but you know, the sample size is low. The, the lines are still. You know, they're still just two weeks into pads, not even a full two weeks into pads. So they're still developing some chemistry there. But um, I was hoping for a, a better debut, certainly. Uh, thanks for the the call, Michael. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hold off on on lighting our hair on fire. But yeah, I think the offensive line is on notice to to perform better than than uh, our expectations uh, or perform up to our expectations, I should say. Um, but let's move this thing along. We've got Zach on the line. Zach, are you there? Zach. Zach attack. Zach going once. I hear Zazu. <laughs> he is crying. Zach going twice. Hello. Hello. Oh, there you are. Hello. How you doing, man? Hey, fine. How are you all? Good, good. Um, so I thought Austin was going to steal my question, but went in a little different direction. Um, so I had planned on watching the game last night, but uh, apparently AT&T Uverse got rid of uh, – uh, what do you call it? NFL Network a while ago. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I was going to watch, really the main thing, was just the coaching staff um, and how are they how they were interacting with the players. Uh, you know, because the last coaching staff seemed a little bit aloof, to say the least. I think. Um, so just you know, seeing how they interacted with the players and everything on the sidelines, and uh, yeah, that's kind of basically it. 
Uh, that's a great question. I'll be honest, being at the game, I did not look at that too often because there's a million yeah, things going on. Right. Um, I, I wonder, I don't know if the, if the television broadcast ever caught any of those moments. I haven't really sat down and watched the, the TV broadcast. Do you guys have any insight there? I, I think the big, uh, the big moment that that stuck out to me was when the Jerry Jerry Jacobs came down on a punt return and he got that helmet to helmet tackle yeah and he got that 15 yard penalty um when a player from the last regime would have had that happen you would have seen the the scowl um you know and like <laughs> and like probably may not even have said anything to him uh just you know give him that frowny uh you know uh, frowny face towards the player uh you know with his hands on his hips right uh and uh but Campbell walked up he looked at him he talked for like a couple of seconds and then he tapped him and then he kind of walked away and it's like you know they were speculating on what he said uh to him uh but he didn't like he didn't overreact right and that's kind of par for the course for what we've seen from him is that when the fight breaks out at camp he doesn't overreact when a uh somebody makes a bad play he's not overreacting he so campbell to me looked very um calm and like he understood what was happening he didn't he was he's a fiery guy but you didn't see it like unnecessarily you know what i mean yeah. like you didn't see it, it didn't come off as pouting which we often saw from uh the last coach and so um i i was encouraged by that there was he seemed a very level-headed and um you know willing to look at what was happening around him without overreacting and i mean it's it's hard to blame jerry jacobs for that play right like that was a pretty darn good play outside of just the lowering and helmet i mean it's a teaching it's a teachable moment but you know, as as a gunner, it was kind of a fantastic play. Like he timed the hit perfectly. He yeah. obviously got downfield quickly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, he's just got to keep his head up. He's got to keep really his head what up. It is. Yeah. yeah, and it's if, not an easy thing to do because you know you're taught from the minute you play football that the lower guy wins, and so you want to get low, but you got to keep your head up, and it's not an easy thing to do in the moment. It, it was a good play outside of the fact that he just he his head was ducked a little bit. Yep. And he could have been like maybe six inches one way or the other, so that his shoulder hit a little bit. It's it's a it's a small it's a a minor technical alteration, right? Uh, but again, a mistake like that didn't need to be didn't deserve an overreaction, and right. we didn't get one, right? right? So that was any any coach yeah. coaching moments stick out to you, Ryan? Before we get back right to you, Zach. Um, not, not really. And I mean, I, I watched the telecast from home. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I, I think, um, it goes back to Eric's point, uh, in, in terms of what the coaching staff did, like it, it, it seems like it's a coaching staff that's not going to run too hot or run too cold. Like, I, I think that they're going to, they're going to play to their strengths. And I think that their strengths are like making adjustments. And that's something that, you know, Eric touched on earlier when it comes to the, the Derek Barnes play. Um, I, I think, I think what you have is you have some, you have some really savvy coaches who used to be players. So they, they know how to respond in the moment um, as, as opposed to that previous regime that, that Eric uh, touched. Do you have one more comment in there, Zach? Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, that's kind of what I was hoping for is, you know, more coaching and less uh, either like having an assistant go over and talk to them uh, or just like, you know, when you see the coaches yell and everything, 
you know, just like screaming. It's like, that's not really coaching, you know? Right. So, you know, I think that's uh, a good thing to hear about Campbell, you know, after that, after that penalty was, you know, go talk for a few seconds. Like, you know, we'll talk about this later, maybe (laughs) and go over it. So yeah. uh, You know, if I'm able to watch one, Hopefully, I'll figure out how to. Um, yeah, it's something I'll keep an eye on. Yeah, man. Call Corncob TV. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the call. Right. 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 Uh, we'll talk to you again next time. All right. Let's uh, – we got a couple more here. Forrest is next. Forrest, how you doing, man? You there, Forrest? Always seems to take a second or two to adjust to – the app here, Forrest, you there? Going once. It is a green room thing, right? Probably. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty common. So, uh, going twice. Hey, how's it going? Sorry. Oh, just in under time. <laughs> you got there. How you doing, Forrest? Good. Well, somebody stole my question, and I thought I had lowered my hand earlier, but I apologize. I did, I, it was already answered. I was going to talk about the last 15 seconds and how it really could have gone either way. Oh. And uh, anyway. Well, no, no worries. Appreciate the call. Do, do do we want to take this opportunity to maybe talk about the firing of the head trainer really quick? I don't. I mean, sure. Yeah. So uh, it, it's. I don't know. It, it obviously we don't know details yet, but it's weird, right? I mean, this is a very odd time to fire your athletic trainer. Um, you don't do it because he's bad at your job. You do it because, in Campbell's words communication issues which to me i don't know like when i hear that i hear personality clash like maybe there was a blow-up and he said there it wasn't one you know one thing that happened but i don't know like something seems fishy here and it doesn't seem great well i mean we're never gonna know really right um but like i think it, it speaks to the fact that anybody hired by the last regime is vulnerable and it doesn't matter if it's a player a coach an athletic trainer um it's just it's when you bring your own guys in and when you hire your guys you're hiring guys that you typically don't class with and when you're working with existing you know personnel then you might have that and it could be just as simple as that right um a communication issue he was you know he was very politically correct in making sure that yes. he was not ruining this guy's career by saying he wasn't treating players correctly. Right. Yep. And I, I thought that was neat. Uh, what I found interesting when I was kind of digging into this, when we started hearing the rumors was that he was originally brought to the lions because he had a close relationship with um, the former athletic trainer and that uh, he worked with him at U of M and mm-hmm. they're both gone now. Like both of these guys are not currently with the team anymore. And so it's, it does sound like there's, there was just, you know, some sort of obvious, I mean, it, he said it was a personality or a, a communication thing. It sounds like a personality thing. Like, yeah. so it, it's, it just, everybody's vulnerable, right? I mean, to me, but to me, it's just, it's the timing, right? Like, yeah, you do this right before the, the season starts. Like you guys had six months together. What, mm-hmm. what happened now? Why didn't we figure out this communication personality issue? Huh? You know, never it's know. Weird. It's look, weird. Yeah. Okay, but but look at look at, look at last year. We had special teams coordinators. Four, is that where you go? Fourteen weeks of <laughs> communication, and then all of a sudden you call your own play, and now you're fired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we can. That's fair. It, 
all it takes is one bonehead comment or one bonehead thing, and that's the end of you. I think maybe just spitballing here, but maybe a a way to explain the you know the timing of it is maybe just the stakes have increased. Like you know we we've gotten to preseason. There are players that are dealing with injuries. Um, now we're into you know preseason game one. Uh, maybe there's there was some level of breakdown in communication in terms of uh, how expedited it was or, or things like that. Um, sure. may, may, maybe maybe that's a way to explain it. Um, just because you know the stakes have been ramped up and and things are really kind of moving in a different way. Because Jeremy, like you mentioned in your article, like you know th- this trainer was somebody uh, who you know Jeff Okuda spoke pretty highly of in his in his rehab from core surgery in the off season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it could be just as simple as like there was a disagreement on the treatment of of one player. Like, I you know I I don't want to speculate on any any individual in particular because obviously there's a lot of players that are injured right now, and you know they each have have different ideas of, of when they they should return. And there was a disagreement, and then maybe there was a blow up. Like, it, I I don't think disagreement is alone going to get a guy fired. So maybe it went beyond that. And again, we're, we're all speculating here. We don't really know. So I guess we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, let me add this one last thing in the other guy that Okuda mentioned in his um, statement about working with the staff was Tom Colt. And Tom Colt is the guy who is stepping up in his replacement. So, you know, we've heard good things about Granado. We've heard good things about Colt. Granado isn't working or isn't working here anymore. And so, you know, but, but Colt is then promoted. So, you know, you're hoping that there's, you know, some sort of uh, good relationship between that, you know, it's got to be a symbiotic relationship between like so many different elements. And when you add in like, you know, strength and conditioning coaches and, and um, all the other new jobs that they've added in this realm, like communication is a massive, massive element. And uh, just to to put a cap on that, Campbell did sound like he had someone in mind to be the permanent replacement and they're in talks, but didn't give up a name yet. So um, that's just something we'll have to keep an eye on. All right, uh, two more callers here. Let's start with Carrie. Carrie, how you doing, man? Hey, how you guys doing this this beautiful Saturday morning? Doing great, doing great. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I forget, forgive me, I got on a little late. So if this is my question or my comments a little redundant, please please blame it on Ryan for me. Okay? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So apparently today's like National Blame Day or something. Something my <laughs> wife told me. So that's that's where it comes from. Love it. But uh, so you know, one one thing I really appreciate about the podcast is that I, I really feel like you guys generally mean what you say. And you know, just in this current environment on 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 on, on covering sports, you know, I really believe that some people say things just as clickbait mm-hmm. and just to because there's you know you know obviously content is the new currency. Um, but the you know. My my question is, I, I saw something, um, I read something that came on my feed, and they were saying, well, you know, obviously Jared Goff is is not not Matthew Stafford, and I'm like, okay, well, that's obvious, you know, we, and I don't think, you know, the fan base, I don't think the coaches, I don't think anyone expects um, Jared Goff to come in and and um, be, you know, be be better than 
um, than Matthew Stafford. Where, I, mean, I mean, my expectations from him is, hey, be your be the best Jared Goff. You know, I've, I've heard right. and read different stories about his pro day, how he was thrown in the rain. You can hear, mm-hmm. you know, you can hear, you know, the balls the ball whistling, through the yeah. and everything. And, I, you know, you guys have a different, you know, just, just a different view of him because you guys kind of get to see him. Um, you guys have a little bit more access, but is there anything that that Jared Goff that stands out that says, you know what, he does this a little bit better than Matthew Stafford? Um, um, and then I'll let you guys answer that, and I have a second question. That's an interesting question um, because they're they're different quarterbacks too, right? So even I think even comparing them. You know, I, I mean, obviously, I think overall Matthew Stafford's a better quarterback, but they do different things with the position. And so we can't expect Jared Goff to throw, you know, 40-yard passes downfield on a rope. That's not how he's going to win. That's not how he was even successful in his couple of years in, in Los Angeles. That's not how he won. Um, but I don't, like, I don't know if there's something I can specifically point to that I think he does better. I will say that I, I came way impressed on Friday night. I thought he did a lot better of a job than I saw in camp in a lot of things. I thought that pass to, to Darren Fells for nine yards was, was a rope mm-hmm. in, in between two defenders. Um, you know, even, even the, the pass that could have been a touchdown to Tyrell Williams was pretty good. I, Eric said, you know, just a couple inches off. Yeah. I mean, and, and he took a shot too, right? Like there was one-on-one coverage there. He found the right guy, just missed it by, by a tiny bit. Right. And so I, I, I came and even his pocket presence a little bit, like he stepped up a couple times, not as I wouldn't say he's as mobile as, as Matthew Stafford is. So, um, but I don't know, like to go. Yeah. Let me, let, let me have someone else answer your question because I'm, I'm a big Matthew Stafford homer. And I don't know if I can say that the jerk off does anything better. I have one quick thing and maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not something that he necessarily does better but it's something that I was encouraged by last night. And it looks like Jared Goff really plays within himself in the sense that he, he doesn't make, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Like that, that first throw that he made, I, I think that entire first drive, like the three and out. I mean, I feel like that was like preseason jitters for everybody. Like it was an off target throw from Goff. The, you know, Panay Sewell gives up the sack. Like it, it was just kind of like a, a drive that you want to wash away from your memory. But looking at that second drive, like, I thought that the Lions coaching staff did a ton of things to look at Goff and see like all the different things he can do. Like he lined up center with a, with a running back next to him. He lined up split back, you know, out of shotgun. He lined up under center and was, you know, doing like bootleg play action. Like we, we saw like some of the mobility with, with Goff and things like that, but he made a lot of like, he made a lot of really safe throws that ended up moving the, moving the team down the field. Whereas I think you. I think in in Matthew Stafford's time here, you saw Matthew Stafford really use his arm talent to like make some crazy throws to extend drives and things like that. Whereas like Goff just like chunked them down the field. So, I, I, I like I said, I don't know if it's necessarily a better thing. It, it's kind of uh, carrying the idea that like it, it's just a different approach. Right. And, and I I think that's what I saw out of Goff last night. That that was encouraging to me because like. Hey, I mean that play that he he made to Tyrell Williams, even that that throw that he made on the sideline for like twenty yeah. some odd yards. Yeah, that was a good catch too. Like it was it was a great catch, and hey, nobody else was going to make that play other than Tyrell Williams. And and I, I think that I think that kind of speaks volumes to, to Jared Goff's game. And Eric, I'm, I'm sure you're going to have some really awesome answer. 
No, no, I really, I don't. I, I really liked your answer. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say, coming off of two down years for golf, it's it's very easy to look at the the two and say Matthew Stafford is better in almost every area, and so, um, but that doesn't mean that the talent isn't there for golf right now. Maybe he's not better in any one area, but he's co- collectively better at, at a at several areas he's more balanced in several areas you're not going to have as many ups and downs um with him like because like you said he kind of he plays within himself um he is safer with the ball though he did you know he's coming off a year two years where he had a lot of turnovers right but we've seen him be more uh conscious with the ball in in detroit so um I think it's going to take time for us to really be able to answer this question properly. But I think uh, Ryan hit it, um, you know, the one key thing, key difference right now there. I mean, look, I'm not going to be a guy that goes out and say QB wins, right? Because you can definitely <laughs> say he, he wins more, right? But the obvious, it, you know, QB wins is what it is. But um, he has, he, he understands like what it takes, right? He's got more experience putting, you know, in, in, on a winning organization. And, and maybe that will come into play as well. But, um, yeah, there's, you know, he's, he's, he's in a tough spot coming off a, a bad couple of years. Right, right. Appreciate it, guys. And my, my second question is like around Dan Campbell. He's obviously has become very popular. Um, nationally, just with some of the sound bites from his from his uh, his news conferences, whether it's, you're talking about his coffee intake, him working at some chicken restaurant <laughs> as a uh, as a high school student, and and you know you know um, and I can't remember who who mentioned it, but they um, they 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 you know someone said that hey, it does not seem like he overreacts, you know when when things don't go away as planned. Um, but my question is, is that at what point in the season where, you know, depending on how the, how the lines are performing and, you know, I don't, I mean, I think all of our, you know, we had this conversation a couple of podcasts ago, like what are, like what's the win, you know, the over and under win losses for, for, um, for Detroit. And I think everyone's expectations are pretty, pretty limited. Um, but at what point is that like, Okay, when does that get old? And does he have the self awareness to say, "Hey, you know, it's probably okay to do this during you know preseason, but in season, if we're not, um, you know, if we're not, you know, if we're not competing at the level that um, that that we should be at, you know, just as you know, showing progress, do you guys feel like he know, he knows how to pull that back a little bit? That's a really interesting question, Kerry, and it, it's one I've thought about too. Just you know, uh, yeah, it, it's cutesy and, and fun now, but when you know, if I, sh- I shouldn't say when, if this team is you know sitting at three and eleven or something like that, like what is the mood of Dan Campbell going to be in these press conference press conferences? And to be honest, I don't think it's going to be much different. I think I if there's anything we've learned from him so far. It says he's going to be true to himself at all moments. And, you know, is he going to be as silly? I, I, I don't know. But I, I think I think he I, he's just kind of a quirky guy. And I don't think those quirks go away when the when the losses are here necessarily. So I'm not sure it's going to be all that different. Um, he's probably going to get hammered for it a lot more. I mean, we've already seen him, seen him get a little hammered for it in the national media. But, right. you know, it, it's going to happen even more if, if this team is, is you know, vying for the first overall pick. Um, but I'm, I'm, let, let's let's hear what the other guys have to say about it. No, I, I'm with you. I, I'm, 
a little bit more on the side of the the silly stories go away if you're three and eleven, but the yeah. personality is still there, right? right. I think right now uh, we're still in a um, honeymoon phase with the media, right? And so he's still like, let me tell you about this time when you know all these <laughs> new stories are new, right? Right. Um, yeah. Whereas. You know, I think with expectations being low and he doesn't have to worry about his job, I don't think he's going to be as stressed uh, where he's going to like, you know, start yelling at reporters to, you know, sit up straight and stuff. But um, I think he's going to be aware, though, of the fact that silly stories are fun now because it's training camp, whereas uh, silly stories aren't, the fans aren't going to be as, you know, interested to hear that if you are three and 11. Right. And so I think I, I just, I, I would expect the, the personality quirks to shift into a different area. Right. Uh, but I do think, like you said, he, he's still going to be true to himself and there's not really going to be the pressure to have to like change anything about his approach, uh, especially in year one. Yeah, and I, I both uh, both to your points. Um, I, I think what really speaks volumes about Dan Campbell is just his authenticity. Like, I'm 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 almost sure of it that no matter what, like, I don't think Dan Campbell's going to get too high or too low. Like, I, I think that he's gonna he's gonna you know ride this ship for what it is, and he's gonna you know he, he's gonna be who he is, and. I, I think the only thing that I, I can say about uh, him in, in the sense of, you know, these quirky stories and things like that is like, I think Dan Campbell's full of them. I think like two years from now, we're, <laughs> we're still, we're still going we're, we're to be hearing new stuff in, in, in training camp and in preseason and things like that. But I think like, I, I think, I think there's something to be said, like, you know, if it's the end of October and you know, you have more losses and you have wins, you're not going to be hearing about how many, you know, special shots are inside Dan Campbell's coffee. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be hearing some of the, some of the quirky stories we had, because I think that this is a guy who, who knows when, when business is business. And, um, the, the one other thing I have to say is for anybody out there who's trying to drink the, the, the coffee order of a man who's six foot five and 265 pounds. <laughs> like, do you know how physiology works? Do you know how, do you know how bodies work? Like, of course, of course, if you're four foot 11 and 120 pounds, you can't handle two venti coffees and espresso shots. Like be kind to your body people. Yeah. The, the, the one real quick thing I want to add is that I feel like he kind of survived his birth, first big test yesterday. And I'm not even talking about the, the loss i think bringing up the the athletic trainer story like that was the first kind of like really hard question with a sensitive topic that he's really had so far and i thought he he nailed it like like eric said like he yeah he he answered it in a way that didn't bury the guy and, and ruin his career but he also gave a maybe not fully telling answer and you know he said he didn't really want to get into the, the full details but um i think that was his first small test Right. Well, I'm most definitely rooting for the guy. I mean, I, I, I love his, his candor and, and everything. And, you know, obviously he must be respected by his, his coaching peers for him to put together a, a coaching staff the way he did. So, man, we're, we're, I'm rooting for him. So I appreciate you guys, man. Uh, you guys enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Thanks, Kerry. Appreciate the question. All right, Logan, you have been very, very patient. Thank you for holding this entire time. Uh, how's it going, buddy? 
Hey, I wasn't sure if I was in the queue or not. This thing has been uh, interesting, but <laughs> good to get on here. It's my first time on the app. I've listened on the podcast feed much more often. Well, appreciate you so, joining us this time around. Yeah, absolutely. So, question, because I was having a discussion with some other people. How much stock, obviously, if it were a real game, we assume that Campbell would manage the clock differently at the end of the game versus what he was doing to give the, put the defense in that situational football. So how much do we think about do coaches need to practice clock management and that kind of thing in the preseason? I think they do. I think, I think that's something that, I mean, the, the problem with it in the preseason is that there's just so much more going on, right? Like you're, you're changing, um, you're going through three or four versions of the roster and making sure substitutions are working. You're obviously not doing as much of that sort of thing uh, during the regular season. So there's, there's a lot going on, but yeah, I mean, listen, Dan Campbell's been a head coach before he's gone through some time management stuff. There's still a moment in Miami that eats at him. I've, I've heard him talk about it on a couple different occasions now. Um, so it's not completely foreign to him, but you know, with, with a whole new set of coaches, it's, it's a whole new set of chemistry and communication that, the preseason is very, very, very much for the coaches as much as it is for the players just to get all that down, get the communication down, to get, you know, when we're going to go for it on fourth down and who makes those decisions and, and when we're going to call timeouts. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, the two-minute warning, the, the making sure we know when we're going to call timeout stuff, this is very much a time for them to practice that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, they got they got a small taste of it, but I, I think that's something they're going to continue to, to kind of work with in, in the next two preseason games. Yeah, I expect it to be more prevalent uh, next week, right? Because mm-hmm. they talked about u- utilizing the starters a more. Um, maybe if they play them a full half, then you can you can incorporate a lot of those situations at the end of the half, right? Um, so, you know, it, it's all about goals. You have a goal, and you and and you have uh, what do you want to get accomplished out of the game? And if they think they can get X, Y, and Z accomplished, and then wait on on uh, you know time management and whatnot, then, you know, that that's what their approach was this week. Um, but I do agree that, you know, bad habits, you don't want to create bad habits by practicing the wrong way, right? I mean, we talked about this at camp the other day when we were talking about how you can't um, hit the quarterback and how – uh, we we were talking about at the Senior Bowl how Josh Uche was all week at the Senior Bowl that year was not allowed to hit the quarterback and then when the Senior Bowl game came around and he had a chance to sack him he didn't hit the quarterback <laughs> because he had been practicing all week at not hitting the quarterback so right. yeah you don't want to fall into these bad habits but uh, you know I, I do think it the, the the game management stuff is is something that you can work on um, you know it's typically worked on more in your dress rehearsal but again we have no idea how, how this whole thing's gonna lay out with one less preseason game will it be next week will it be week three or you know, both or should they be doing it the whole time it's 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 hard to tell in this uh, this era of preseason so is that something you worry about with because i know obviously as jeremy mentioned that dan campbell has mentioned the incident in miami that he's thought about with clock management i haven't followed the chargers too much but i i do seem to recall that with anthony lynn that was a common criticism of him in la was that his game management was pretty bad is that something you worry about with well i'll tell you what you're gonna find that criticism 
in a lot of that's places. true that's, that's just, true that's just the yeah um it, it's yeah i mean it's always going to be a concern um it was a, it's a concern no matter who if you even if you have like veteran uh you know uh a coaching staff so yeah you're always going to be worried about it and uh but i you know i want to see a few more preseason games before i start to get you know concerned Anything to add, Ryan, about clock management? It's a favorite topic of mine, but uh, but I don't think I have anything else to add to the conversation. We're on to preseason week two, folks. <laughs> All right, there it is. <laughs> Logan, appreciate the question. Everyone, I appreciate the question. We went overtime big time this week, but we always seem to do that, and obviously with, uh, with something exciting to talk about, like actual football. Uh, we, we decided to go a little long. So thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone who joined us live on the Spotify Green Room app. Again, if you want to join us, make sure you follow at Pride of Detroit on your Spotify Green Room app available on uh, Android and Apple. Um, so until next time, thanks for joining us. It's Chaos. Be kind. <laughs>